Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Millsoff, senior editor at Billboard and Broadway expert here. This is the first post-Tonys podcast. I was actually at the Tonys, had an amazing time and thought it was a really great show. Big improvement on, on past years, I would say. Sarah Bareilles and Josh Groban were really charming and earnest as hosts and felt like the show moved along very nicely. And uh, one of the best parts of the show, of course, for me, was that the musical that won the biggest at the awards was The Band's Visit. Uh, before the Tonys, I made a little guest appearance on another great Billboard podcast, Pop Shop, that I would suggest you all listen to, uh, talking about my Tony predictions. And I was pretty sure that even though it seemed like a bit of a David versus three Goliath situation, there was a very good chance that at the least the band's visit was going to take home the bigger musical awards at the Tonys. And, well, it did a whole lot better than that. It won an incredible 10 awards out of the 11 it was nominated for. And uh, every time the show won an award on this past Sunday night, I had to pat myself on the back a little bit because if you are a regular listener of the podcast, you know I have been a huge fan of this show and talking about it nonstop to basically anyone who will listen to me since I saw its original production off-Broadway almost two years ago now. A very frightening thought. Uh, If you are interested to hear a little bit of the music, I would recommend looking up the gorgeous performance of the show's kind of standout song, Omar Sharif, uh, which you can find on YouTube from the Tonys. And uh, this episode of the podcast uh, was really one of my favorites when I did it last fall. Uh, My guests from the show included two now Tony winners, composer David Yazbek and actress Katrina Link. And, you know, maybe when it first aired, you weren't listening to Billboard on Broadway. Incredible a thought as that is. Maybe you hadn't seen the band's visit and now you have. Maybe you saw the performance on the Tonys and you were intrigued. Uh, But no matter what, I think this is a good moment to revisit the band's visit. So here's uh, that episode to come back to. Stick a pin in the map of the desert. Build a road to the middle of the desert. Pour cement on the spot in the desert. That's Beta Tikva. Since this is one big, happy, loud family in one room, I feel like maybe you should all tell the world who you are, people. Who are you? And tell us a little bit about who you play in the show, since your characters are all rather distinct, including the one sitting across from me. Yeah, that forces her to say something. (laughs) Uh, I'm Katrina Lenk, and I play Dina, who is the cafe owner of the town in uh, Betatikva, where the show takes place. Yeah. My name is, I'm going to use this voice because I'm on a podcast. My name is Adam Cantor and I play telephone guy in the band's visit. Don't you want to say anything? Oh, the character with a great um, deal of gravity. He yeah, is a, a guy uh, at a telephone. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, uh, I love the character. He, he's, he's waiting for a, a phone call very, very diligently um, for the entirety of the show. Uh, and I don't want to give away what happens, but something happens. A meteor hits him at the end of the show. The big ending. And then. <laughs> it's a quiet show, but it ends with a really good big ending. It ends with a bang. <laughs> Which? Oh, okay. Did you say who you were? No, I'm going to do it now. Okay. 
I'm George Abood, and I play Kamel in the show. And Kamel is at once terrified and suave, and I think I relate very much to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm David Yazbek. I wrote everything, every word, every note. Uh, really, all the lighting cues, uh, the props were created by my hand. I sell the tickets. <laughs> You're the crazy man on the street outside the theater. Yes, You're everyone. I am. <laughs> so, for, since I think that this is this is based on a movie um, that I think a lot of people haven't seen, those of us who have seen it, it's wonderful. But um, maybe one of you can just give listeners a general idea of what the story is in the first place before we talk about it more. I mean, you wrote everything, Yazbek, so you should. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about it. I want to hear what you have to say about it. <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, the the plot would be uh, this Egyptian ceremonial police orchestra, Alexandria ceremonial police orchestra from Egypt, comes to this town in Israel to do a performance, and they find out that they've come to the wrong town, and there's no way to get out of this town until the morning, so they have to spend the night, and the locals in this town in Israel take them in. That's the plot. And you will leave the theater emotionally wrecked. Mm-hmm. Even if it doesn't sound like you will. And the impetus for the whole show is that Arabs don't have the letter P in their alphabet. <laughs> Never thought of it that way. That's ex- that's the whole show. That's like, the MacGuffin. If they're like, we need to go to Petah Tikva, they're like, here's your tickets. And then we close. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, part of the conceit is that these the, the Egyptians don't speak... I mean, sorry, the Egyptians don't speak Hebrew and the Israelis don't speak Arabic, so the way they communicate is through uh, English, and nobody feels comfortable in this language, so mm-hmm. then various hijinks ensue. So were you <laughs> were you all familiar with the film before you signed on, or what made you think, ah, this will be a wonderful musical? No. Oh, to the first question. <laughs> Just now. <laughs> I know about. No, I was not familiar with the film. I heard that the show was happening almost two and a half years ago. Uh, I saw that it was going to be a new show about an Arabic band, and that got me very excited because, first of all, there's very few shows that concern Arabic characters and Arabic music, and I come from a family of Lebanese musicians. And so I was very thrilled about the idea that maybe... Arabic music might be incorporated into some kind of story and that I might be able to use my background and my culture in an American musical. But no, I had had not seen the film. I had not seen the film either. I did a reading of it a few years ago and another reading of it. And uh, I've loved watching it evolve. Um, My big interest of mine was essentially how do you make a musical that is seemingly... It's very, very naturalistic and uh, on paper might be described as a musical in which uh, very little, quote unquote, happens. But underneath it, of course, a lot happens. Completely. Had you seen the movie? Did you see it? Uh, yeah, I forgot the question. Uh, <laughs> no, I did not know anything about it. And so the audition came through and then I was like, "Ooh, I need to watch the movie. And I watched the movie and just fell in love with it instantly. And was so curious how it would be turned into a musical because it's so much about what people don't say and about stillness and awkwardness and uh, I was very excited when I heard the music and saw like how it was able to actually be told in a musical setting. Mm-hmm. How many times did you watch the movie? Just once? Um, I think once during the auditions then maybe one other time 
during callbacks and then I was like I can't I can't watch it anymore because I I loved it so much and I loved I didn't want to just you know there that challenge of do you refer to the movie or do you copy do you not do the movie that all that right but when we went to George and I and Katrina were in Israel like a month ago? I was weeks. not invited. On no, that Adam trip. was not invited. His voice wasn't mellifluous enough. <laughs> he, he was cast several days ago. <laughs> um, but we, when we were there, we did that little sort of concert, and then they sh- they showed mm-hmm. the whole movie, or parts of it? I, I don't uh, Parts of it in reference to the songs that we sang? I How think? did that feel? I mean, like, we'd been working on the show for a while, and then you're, there you are, sort of being forced to watch pieces of the movie that had the character. I mean, I, I loved it because I love to watch the movie, right. and I love Renée Elkabet so much, and I love to watch her work. And it was a specific experience to watch it with Israelis who are from the town that the town in the movie is based on. So it we was, were in the town. We were literally in the town where the movie was shot. Wow! Yeah, we did a, a little concert there. I was going to say there's an international band's visit promo tour happening. This was <laughs> there was I there know. was that's sort of what it was, right? I mean, you know, on a small scale. On a very, very tiny Israeli scale. Yeah. Um, well, the, I mean, this is the most important question for you, David. I mean, you saw this story. Where did you immediately think this is something that I can make music for? Or did it take time to acclimate to the idea that you could make it happen? Um, it, I knew it was something I could make music for. Uh, but I wasn't sure it was something that would make a musical. Uh, so it took me a little while to sort of come around. But the thing that one of the big pulls for me was what Adam j- said, which is how do you take this, the, there's a very specific and unique uh, tone to the movie and a, and a unique I use the word currency too much but a currency to the, to the movie that involves silence and sort of the rhythm of silence and sound and music and um, also this uh, desire not to do the obvious button pushing that that uh, you can do dramatically um, in a story, especially in a musical. Um, and when I spoke to Itamar Moses, who wrote the the book, uh, very early on, that's all we talked about was can we honor that tone in a musical? And when we both realized that we were wanted to do the same thing, that's when I said yes. I didn't know if it would work, but I knew that we'd both be at least rowing the boat in the same direction Mm -hmm. can I ask at what point you felt like oh this actually is kind of working out ask me in like two weeks (laughs) before we open no 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 I knew there was a point it it was rocky for a while and not not with Itamar Itamar and I really knew what we wanted and the producer of the show Orrin Wolf um, in a very unlike many many producers really had a, a vision for it that that he stuck with and it's the same vision that we had so I knew that it was working out between Itamar and I and I think when we did our first our second reading where there were most many of the songs and I think we realized as soon as you start hearing like crying and sobbing you realize okay something's working but it wasn't until about two weeks before we opened Off-Broadway that it really felt like this is we were really getting what we wanted in terms of that tone. Did you feel that too, George? Like when you were, did, did it click for you at some point or were you, since you were on stage, was it too? Uh, no, it's, I think it was very different. And 
I really hadn't, I don't think many of us had any idea how it was going to be received. And I think when people that you respect in the business, like other composers or other good actors, were telling you like, oh, there was something there, it was really meaningful to them, then that made me go, oh, maybe we have something here. Because <laughs> yeah. each of, I, I felt something very strongly about the piece. And, but I was like, are other people going to get that Arabs say B instead of P? And <laughs> all these, these, these beautiful, like, Arabic kind of songs that are very grand and poetic and beautiful and haunting? Or are they going to be like, where's the dancing? Where's the <laughs> kitchen spoon banging against a pot for 10 minutes? Turn out! Turn out! Turn out! <laughs> but no, d during the Atlantic, I was like, okay, people like it. so I, And I liked it already, so I guess that's what we need. <laughs> right? Yeah. Were you all very familiar with David's music before this? And if so, was what he put forth for the band's visit what you were expecting because to me this is very different from David's former work I love this question because <laughs> it assumes that you guys were listening to my music I feel like there's definitely you. it's like yes and no I feel like in ways it's unlike anything I've heard of yours and then of course there's like signature Yes, Becky and flares that you just you can sort of feel. What is a yes, Becky and flair? I don't know. It's very it, it it's very each song is very character specific. Like I think it's very true to each character, and it has a unique sense of fun that David carries with him. Um, it's funny. A, a unique sense of fun. No, I mean it's like funny. <laughs> Audi audiences are like j like belly laughing at a lot of these. I try to mm -hmm. carry that sense of fun into the bedroom, but my wife doesn't appreciate it. Sorry. Isn't that huge? I mean, when you, she when you <laughs> just use that as a take. Uh, I, I, I saw that coming. I'm just gonna say small <laughs> phrases and then just piece them after you. Have that. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. But isn't I mean, you you learn a lot about lyric writing, and I I love musical theater very much, and idiot, idiot. But Yazbek really can make people laugh with his lyrics, and few people can do it as well. The people mm -hmm. truly laugh. They're not like ah. You know, they're just, they're freaking, <laughs> nice they're, try. They're laughing like it was a joke in a, like somebody landed a good joke in a scene just from the lyric that's set in the music the way he said it. No one's like pulling something out or trying to rephrase something or doing something funny on top of it. It's the lyric itself set the way he said it. And it's truly funny. And I think that's extraordinary. That's why I'm bald, George, because it so, takes so much work to do that <laughs> that I've just lost so many hairs over it. I'm not kidding. Was I, it worth it? Was it worth it? Yes. It was worth it. To make you laugh, it was worth <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> you with your big full head of Lebanese hair. <laughs> there's a there's a strong Lebanese presence in this musical. Yes, that was very important to me uh, <laughs> when I was casting this show. Lebanese, uh, <laughs> but there's a big. I mean, it's a it's a Semitic presence. I mean, it's like everybody right. looks the same. All the Jews and Lebanese and and everything. But I want to hear what you thought about my music before. Uh, um. Well, I had the pleasure of getting to see you perform at Fifty Four Below with your band. And, when you performed with us. Um. Yes, but I was when I could sit and watch and listen was because um, I heard songs that are not your not what you would usually write for musicals, and then I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is this is where these songs are coming from. The the ones from Van's visit are more in in that that, in that side of the writing. So there's influence from like there's R and B, there's jazz, there's rock, um, just like uh, just this. 
what is this I'm doing with my hands? There's like a cornucopia of, like, uh, <laughs> of sounds that are um, so good and so pleasing. And, oh, uh, I'm glad, I, I'm glad we, we came around to you on this question. <laughs> <laughs> go, go on. Um, and you've <clears throat> mentioned this before, that the songs for the band's visit are more like what you would write for an album as opposed to uh, for a music theater piece. Yeah, and in terms of content, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, stylistically... Uh, so I, just, I love it. Just love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's good. Good oh. work. Yeah, made my day. Good work. No How one else could have. No one else could have written the score. No one else could have written the score. I don't think any of the of your contemporaries, Yaz, or any of the the new kid writers or any of the old writers, like have like the cultural currency. Ooh, thank you. Wow, ding. New, new word to me. Getting very NPR very thank fast. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Would not have had that. That sense to 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 write any of this, and I think the important thing is how much Yazbek has a respect for all music across the board, mm-hmm. and how he has su- he's so literate in all these different versions of music. And him and I talk a lot about how the most important thing for like an artist is go listen, go listen to everything, learn about everybody's culture, about everybody's point of view, L- listen to the greats of anything, weird music, Eastern music, Western music, classical music, contemporary rock, jazz, folk, everything. And it all comes through his unique sense of fun. Um, I should just take each one of your phrases Let's and not, piece it into an <laughs> Let's not edit any of this part of the interview. I think so. That's just uh, my suggestion. <laughs> But Yazbek's Lebanese, as it says in all the articles, uh-huh. and, I, and I love that he's Lebanese because I'm Lebanese, I love Lebanese-ness, and I don't think anyone else could have wrote Omar Sharif and had the sense that that song, when I hear that song every night, and me and Osama, who's another, who's an Egyptian guy who's in our uh, cast as well, we're in the orchestra at that time because we're not in that scene, and we put our we put the headphones on and we just immerse ourselves in the first two verses of that song before we have to play, and it's just thrilling because he able he's able to say what we feel, and it's how important that Um Kulthum, who's the great Egyptian singer that the song is about. And how that style of music and that the storytelling of that kind of music in that era, how much that means to like our blood and our flesh and our soul and our heart and how it just kind of like makes us come alive and how it inspires us and keeps us going. And that's what I feel those lyrics are saying how (coughs) this music is important to that woman when she's when she's singing about like, no, I know about these people. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. 
Yeah, well, I, I mean, this is a, a a beautiful song in the show that Katrina sings. And can you tell people a little bit about it since nobody's heard it yet? Well, I think George did a really good job of telling about the song. And do you mean like the setup of like what? Yeah, happening? just a little bit about the setup and what you're singing about. Yeah. Um, it comes from an attempt to get Tufik, who's the head of the. Egyptian ceremonial police orchestra to come out of his shell a little bit and so Dina's asking him like so what do you play what's uh?" and he mentions that this orchestra plays classical Arabic music and instantly Dina's like oh oh like Um Kultum who is this great Egyptian singer and then so they they find they have this common ground of uh, love for this music and then she sings this song um kind of uh, to explain to him how much Um Kultum means to her, of course, and Omar Sharif and how it like brings her back to uh, fond memories with her mom and, and her childhood and feeling safe and inspired and excited to be alive. And so this song is kind of about that and she weaves this um, sort of, I guess, m- memory of the, the meaning of Um Kultum to, to Tufik. And I, you know, we're doing a lot of stroking, but <laughs> the voice, <laughs> Katrina's voice on that song is just like you could not pick the, a better performance for that song, mm-hmm. and which is why I can listen to it every night. Usually, usually I have to really dole out how often I listen to my songs. <laughs> you know, like once a week. You know, but I but <clears throat> I'm always there for Unkultum. Well, that's, I mean, many, many months after having seen the show, that song is still in my head, which is, I think, kind of incredible because I feel like the songs in the show are not at all what we think of as traditional musical theater songs that like, verse, chorus, verse, ta-da. And um, they they all have that quality of so much Middle Eastern music that is like sort of hypnotic and like, you know, has a circular feel and like weaves in and out of your brain, I think. And I guess I wasn't expecting that to necessarily stick with me. But I, I anytime I like think of the show, that song immediately comes into my head. Um, and these are... These are songs that are, are really structurally interesting. Some of them sort of, some. I mean, this song I think is maybe one that's more of a traditional structure, but some of them just sort of feel like they meander. I mean, were you consciously thinking like this is something I want to play with, like as I'm gonna as I'm writing these songs? Or? You know, they the songs, the 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 piece and the songs just suggested it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of a lot of what I do is subtractive you know I'll, like I'll do something and I'll then realize oh I went too far and then I'll pull back or or you know oh this rhyme scheme sounds like there's an there's a lyricist writing it so forget it you know I'm not gonna care about the rhymes this time you mm-hmm. know or yeah so there isn't like an intellectual formula going in to a song um, at le- on this show but you know you're dealing in a a, a very rich um, tradition, a musical tradition, that not just so-called classical Arabic music, but um, you know later sort of pop versions of music. But then all the way to Northern African stuff, the forms of those traditions suggest make their own suggestions about song form. 
um, that's that's what I was saying. You know, like, but it's interesting if you listen to them. A lot of the songs have I realized this recently. Like, have a a bridge. <laughs> you know, like have <laughs> like a, a conventional bridge. You know, like not conventionally. You know, sixteen bars or eight bars, but um, yeah. So I'm still still got that pop songwriter thing. There's also something structure-wise, like about Omar Sharif in particular, mm-hmm. that's really akin to Arabic music. There's, um, they like to say about, they call them long-form songs. There's, there's, there's like short songs which might be three or four minutes, and then there's the long-form songs, which are like the Um Kulthum's like grand concerts or Farid Latrish or Abdul Halim, the great singers, long concerts, and the songs would be anywhere between like 30, 40 minutes to an hour and a half, one song. Whoa! And the songs would someone described it. In that doc, in the Um Kulthum documentary, about like Um Kulthum would um, take off on the runway in a plane, and then she would. It would just be an, a slow, steady increase, and then just get up to the great height, and then she would just smoothly land it back down. And that's what I think mm-hmm. Omar Sharif does, especially in that B section. I really feel like I think that the, is classic. I think the Arabic. whole show is like a long Arabic yeah. song. That I mean, I, that's mm-hmm. a really good way of seeing. Mm-hmm. I see this show as a piece of music, not through composed. The book. The performances, the silences—it's um, all—it all feels like one big long Arabic song. Um, it's an interesting way of looking at it, right? I mean, yeah. you know, um, and those Um Kulthum, when you watch the concerts, you know, some of those things, the audience goes crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they know what they're in for, you know, and then they get it, and then they're just like over the top. Um, which I'm hoping that's what happens at our show. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure I can get any more profound than that. Um, well, I think of the three of you as all having, you know, done a lot of contemporary musical theater. It's not like you're coming to the band's visit from like Oklahoma. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you've all worked with composers who are alive, I, I'm pretty sure. Um, but still, this show is very different. And that stillness, the quietness, the way that the silences are part of the music, um, I think is a huge part of that. As actors, is that a challenge to kind of pull back in that way? Yes. Is it refreshing? <laughs> <or>? <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. I mean, the the... The song that I sing at the end, which is beautiful, the song's called "Answer Me," and it's um, it's profoundly simple. It, it, it's seemingly simple. There's a lot beneath it, but it, it requires a certain um, I don't know focus and stillness, just like the rest of the piece, but vocally and musically. And that's something I'm still finding. And I remember <laughs> in the audition, I was you know I did like my first pass at it, and David was like, "Stop being a good singer." Like you were like you know something like. You're a good singer. Stop it. <laughs> like, you know, so it's just it's a it's like pull back, Louise. It's like you know, it's a I lot didn't, of and I didn't mean stop being a, a yeah. good singer. I just meant stop being a trained singer. Yeah, like all the tricks and turn. It's like it's just getting to a, a level of just of authenticity, really. That that feels correct for this piece, as opposed to like you know tricks and turns and acrobatics. It's like just pure, pure sound. And how hard is that when you really you haven't been singing for the whole show, basically, right? Yeah, it's it's it is a weird thing. I sort of I have my own little. <laughs> Where do you do of, your vocal warm up? <laughs> yeah, I have my moments. I know I can't give it away because then they'll tell me to stop. <laughs> but I do. I have, I have weird things that I do. Uh, yeah, to to prep for that moment. Yeah. 
<laughs> the consistent thing of this is that it always, it never wants to feel like, and now we're singing. Like it always comes from, from the piece, from from the people. It's it, you know, the, the way that um, a song will creep in is just that. It's it's not like now we're in a musical number. It's like no, it's all it's 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 very much from the scene itself too. So it always wants to feel somewhat you know in the realm of naturalism the realm of people communi- you know trying to communicate mm-hmm. with one another no it like it almost seems to spring from the dialogue in a way it's all like one kind of continuous thread sort of um well i i've encountered the challenge of like trying to describe to people what is so wonderful about this show and i usually just find myself getting choked up and being like god this is great just go like i don't know what to say <laughs> buy a premium um, ticket buy a premium <laughs> ticket please <laughs> <laughs> and i like i i mean fortunately or unfortunately i find myself being like this is like the Hamilton of this year. This is like the Dear Evan Hansen of this year. And by that, I don't mean it's like a huge blockbuster musical, but it is the show that feels like it's reinventing further what a musical can be and feels like it's something really original and different and it's not trying to throw its differentness in your face. But like, it's, I mean, it just, you leave the theater being like, what just happened to me? Like, I don't know. So, I mean, what do you all think is what ultimately makes this so compelling and like makes people feel so emotionally like wrecked at the end even though there are many moments of humor it's not well it's also you're you're sad you might feel emotionally wrecked but you also people are like yelling and enjoy at the end too because you we have this these great musicians playing this little mini concert at the end yes we should mention the actual band in the band's uh, visit it's a pretty amazing band yeah um, I, I'm, I'm really curious to hear what you guys think of that that question. I mean, at, at its core, it's like it's it's about it's about people from seemingly disparate backgrounds just c- trying to communicate, you know, just human communication at like a fundamental level, and how difficult that can be, how rewarding it can be, um, and it's about reaching out a hand in the darkness and, 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 and hoping for, you know, connection, which is something that is so universal and deeply felt, I think, by anybody. Uh, what else, guys? I don't know. Um, and then I said, um, there, there's a line in the show. It's the first and the last line. It says, uh, yada, yada, something happened. This Egypt, uh, Egyptian band came to town, and you probably didn't hear about it. It wasn't very important. And I really have been struck by a lyric from an Um Kulthum song, a classical Arabic song, um, whose title I will not say because it might make people descend into giggles too late. But <laughs> <laughs> but, there, but there's a beautiful lyric, and it really ma- I'm like, that's what this show is. And the lyric goes... I'm translating in my head as I think about it. And it goes, it came as a whisper out of nowhere and changed me. Why, why did they tell me this? And that's what I really think about this show is like, not much happens, um, but but you leave and you definitely feel very affected by this whisper of a show. And yeah. That's so true. I think that's the best way to put it. That might actually, <laughs> that might even be a Rumi, like come directly from Rumi. Like she might, it 
because it sounds a lot like a quote from the Sufi poet Rumi as well. It could be. I mean, because all those songs were grand poems because there weren't. They didn't call them lyricists. They called the there was the poet, and the poet would compose the entire poem, and then it would be, and then the composer right. would set it. Uh, I. I think I think the most important things that that happen uh, in this, you know, on this plane are happen in silence. Like the most important lessons you can learn, the, the most important connection that you can make, that silence is a big part of it. it comes not not in the cacophony of noise and entertainment and uh, activity. Uh, so that's so, you know, I think that's what that quote speaks to. Activity is a very good word in this case, compared to like our show is about like the stillness and the sp- and space between things, between small events, and it seems a lot of other shows are more about activity to activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's about all the waiting that you do in life. <laughs> it's about this waiting, which Oren said a nice thing. The waiting is kind of it's kind of related to. A hopefulness that each of the character has some some form of hope, and that's what you wouldn't wait unless there was something to wait for. Mm-hmm. You'd just be like, "Well, that's it." Unless you were in a Beckett play. Unless you were in a <laughs> Beckett play. Can you hear me, ninety-four? That's a visual joke that no one's going to get, but that's okay. And the show. You just do nothing but visual jokes. <laughs> visual jokes on a podcast. Well, this is not a Beckett play. It is a wonderful musical. And thank you all for coming. It was great to talk to you. Thanks, Thanks for you. having us. Yeah. So thank you. Friday evening, oh, The band's visit opens on Broadway at the Ethel Barrymore Theater on November 9th. And later this year, keep an eye out, there's going to be a cast album that will be released on Ghostlight Records. If you'd like to read more about David Yazbek and to hear a bit from Tony Shaloub, one of the stars of the show, I actually wrote a piece about the show um, that is in this week's print edition of Billboard, and it's up on Billboard.com right now. As usual, if you're a fan of the Billboard on Broadway podcast, please subscribe and give us lots of stars and nice reviews on iTunes. You can find me on Twitter at Rebecca Millsoff, and you can always use hashtag Billboard on Broadway if you want to tweet about the podcast and hope to have you back next week. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work.
Shopify.com slash work.